Welcome to Music History Monday for February 22nd, 2021. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Tchaikovsky, Two Women and a Symphony. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the premiere on February 22nd, 1878, 143 years ago today, of Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 4 in F minor in a concert of the Russian Musical Society in Moscow under the baton of Nikolai Rubinstein. The story of Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 4 and the two women that inspired it is a fascinating one, a story that desperately wants to be told in some detail. Therefore, I am stretching it across two posts, today's Music History Monday and tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes. For those good people listening to this podcast, that Dr. Bob Prescribes post will appear on February 23, 2021, on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic. Tchaikovsky at 37. Tchaikovsky, 1840 to 1893, celebrated his 37th birthday on May 7, 1877. He was a man with many secrets and many fears, a cross-dressing homosexual with a penchant for teenaged boys living and working in one of the most homophobic societies ever, Tsarist Russia. Not surprisingly, given his sexuality and the dangers it created for him, Tchaikovsky was oversensitive to a fault, given to anxiety attacks, extended bouts of weeping, deep self-loathing, and dependence on alcohol and tobacco. At the time of his 37th birthday, Tchaikovsky was living in Moscow, where he taught at the Moscow Conservatory, and had just begun sketching his fourth symphony. It was at this moment in time that, out of the blue, a letter arrived for Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky later told his friend, Nikolai Kashkin, quote, It was a longish letter containing a declaration of love for me signed by one Antonina Milyukova, who said she had fallen in love with me some years before when she was a student at the conservatory." Unquote. Yeah, Antonina who? Tchaikovsky had not a clue who this young woman was. Antonina Milyukova was a 28-year-old former conservatory student who later claimed to have been in love with Tchaikovsky since she was 16. She had made a living as a seamstress before enrolling at the conservatory as a piano student in 1873. Lacking money, intelligence, and talent, she dropped out in 1875, two years before she wrote Tchaikovsky. How she was earning her living at the time is unknown. Tchaikovsky wrote her a brief letter in response, in which he listed his, quote, shortcomings, unquote, and gently advised her to master her feelings before she got hurt. 
He promptly left town on a business trip, no doubt assuming that this brief incident was over. <laughs> Think again, dude. When Antonia found out that Tchaikovsky had left Moscow, she went off the deep end and wrote another letter that went so far as to threaten suicide if Tchaikovsky remained indifferent to her. Quote, I've been in agony for a whole week, Peter Ilyich, unsure whether or not to write to you. Would you really break off this correspondence without even seeing me once? No, no, surely you cannot be so cruel. Do you take me perhaps for a tease or a gullible young thing that you attach no weight to my words? How can I convince you that every word I write is true, that I could never lie about something like this? Since your letter... I love you twice as much. What you may think to be your faults mean nothing to me. I am dying of longing for you. I burn with desire to see you, to sit and talk with you, though I am also terrified that I would be struck dumb. There is no human failing that would cause me to fall out of love with you. All day. I stay at home, pacing the room from corner to corner like a lunatic, thinking only of the moment I shall see you, and throw myself on your neck, smothering you with kisses. But what right have I to make such assumptions? Perhaps you do indeed think I am too forward. Let me assure you that I am a respectable and honest woman. My first kiss will be the one I give to you and to no one else in this world. Farewell, my beloved. Do not try any more to put me off, because you are wasting your time. I cannot live without you, so perhaps soon I will kill myself. Let me see you and kiss you, so that I can remember that kiss in the other world. Farewell. Yours forever. A. M. Antonina Milyakova. Unquote. Oh, boy. Miss Milyakova clearly had some serious issues to deal with, issues best worked out on a psychotherapist's couch and not by throwing herself at an oversensitive and, unbeknownst to her, homosexual composer. But the invention of psychotherapy was still decades away to say nothing for antidepressants. Really, of all the people in the world at which to throw herself, Antonina's choice was nothing short of incredible, and the consequences would be even more incredible, because Tchaikovsky actually began to believe that Antonina could, if not cure him of his homosexuality, then at least offer him the appearance of sexual respectability. Tchaikovsky wrote to his brother Modeste, who was also homosexual, quote, I've been doing a lot of thinking. The upshot of all this hard thinking is that I have made a firm decision, starting today, to enter into lawful matrimony with anyone prepared to have me." Unquote. Modeste was horrified, but there was nothing he could do to dissuade his brother from meeting Ms. Milyakova. Meet they did. Antonina recalled that first meeting this way, quote, he came. He always charmed all the young ladies, and then, in particular, his gaze was enchanting. Among other things, he said, But I am nearly an old man. Perhaps you will be bored living with me? 
I love you so, I answered, that merely to sit by you, to talk with you, to have you always near me will fill me with bliss. We sat together for an hour. Let me think until tomorrow, he said as he left. Unquote. Yeah, Tchaikovsky did indeed return the next day. Again, we'll let Antonina describe what happened. Quote, the next day he said, I have thought everything through. Here is what I have to say. Never in my life have I loved a single woman, and I feel I am already too old for passionate love. I shall never feel it for anyone. But you are the first woman who I like very much. If you will be satisfied with a quiet, calm love, rather like the love of a brother, then I make you my proposal. Of course, I consented to all his conditions." Unquote. Letters written by Tchaikovsky confirm that this is indeed how he proposed. Did Antonina understand what Tchaikovsky was telling her when he said that he wanted only a platonic relationship? Tchaikovsky biographer Alexander Poznansky writes, quote, in any event, it would appear that Tchaikovsky failed to tell Antonina the most important thing about himself, namely, that he preferred to have sex with young men, not with women. He made a grave error, condemning both his life and hers to miseries that drove each to the edge of madness." Unquote. Tchaikovsky began having doubts about his impending marriage immediately, writing, quote, after living 37 years with an innate aversion to marriage, it is very distressing to be drawn by force of circumstance into the role of a bridegroom who, moreover, is not in the least attracted to his bride. I must now alter my entire way of life." Unquote. When word got out regarding Tchaikovsky's upcoming marriage, every one of his friends and colleagues tried to talk him out of it but to no avail. The wedding took place just six and one-half weeks after the lovebirds first met, on July 18, 1877, at St. George's Church in Moscow. Tchaikovsky later described the ceremony to his friend Nikolai Kashkin, saying that during the ceremony he was, quote, in pretty much of a daze, outside of it all, quite uninvolved, unquote. Uninvolved until the conclusion of the ceremony when the priest invited him to kiss the bride. Tchaikovsky, quote, At this point I felt a stab of pain through my heart, and such anxiety gripped me that I began to weep. Unquote. Tchaikovsky fled home alone to his apartment, leaving Antonina to host the reception at the Hermitage Hotel by herself. By everyone's account, the banquet that followed was more like a funeral. Bad start. The next day, the couple left by train for St. Petersburg, where they were to spend their honeymoon. Tchaikovsky spent the bulk of his time weeping. Antonina, confused and desperate to please, hadn't a clue as to what was wrong with her husband. It was while in St. Petersburg that Antonina finally decided to get proactive. She put on a negligee and attempted to seduce Tchaikovsky. Disaster. 
Tchaikovsky rejected her out of hand, and she became hysterical. Five days after the wedding, Tchaikovsky wrote his brother Anatoly, quote, In the physical respect, my wife has become absolutely repulsive to me, unquote. The kiss of death for the relationship, as if there weren't already enough kisses of death to depopulate a fairly large city, occurred a day or two later when Tchaikovsky found out that Antonina did not know a single note of his music. Tchaikovsky felt completely betrayed, though Antonina, bless her, couldn't figure out what was the big deal. According to Tchaikovsky biographer Anthony Holden, quote, this revelation seems to have rendered Tchaikovsky genuinely speechless. It was certainly where the relationship, if it had ever begun, ended. Friends were dragooned to take him out to dinner, even prevailed upon to offer him their homes as a sanctuary in which to escape from his wife. He could not bring himself to introduce the woman at his side as his wife." Unquote. Less than three weeks after his marriage, Tchaikovsky wrote his friend Nadezhda von Meck, the other woman about who we will hear much more in just a moment. Quote, as I contemplate spending the rest of my life with this woman, I also realize that, far from feeling the slightest fondness for her, I hate her in every sense of the word. It seems to me that I am now irretrievably lost, along with the best and only decent part of me, my music. The rest of my life stretches ahead as a long, slow, pathetic process of vegetation, an intolerable black comedy. How can I even think about my work? I have fallen into a deep despair made all the deeper by the lack of anyone to give me hope or consolation. I have begun to long fiercely and hungrily for death, which now seems to me the only solution." Unquote. Within a month, Tchaikovsky would indeed attempt suicide. For now, though, the question we must ask ourselves is, who is this von Meck woman to whom Tchaikovsky is unburdening his soul? She was a woman he'd never met and would never meet, and yet she became his essential patron, provider, and lifeline for the next 14 years. Nadezhda Filaretovna von Meck, 1831-1894. Nadezhda von Meck, mother of 18 children, oh, whoa, was the exceedingly wealthy widow of a Russian railway tycoon named Karl Fyodorovich von Meck, who had died in 1876. She was nine years older than Tchaikovsky, a generous and well-known patron of the arts, and a huge fan of Tchaikovsky's music. In December of 1876, five months before he received that first letter from Antonina Milyakova, Nadezhda von Meck had commissioned Tchaikovsky to arrange some music for piano and violin. In January of 1877, she wrote to Tchaikovsky, quote, Gracious Sir Peter Ilyich, permit me to express my sincere thanks for the speedy execution of my commission, to tell you into what ecstasies your composition sent me would be unnecessary and unfitting, because you are accustomed 
to the compliments and homage of those much better qualified to speak than a creature so musically insignificant as me. It would only make you smile. I shall content myself with asking you to believe absolutely that your music makes my life easier and pleasanter to live." Unquote. Tchaikovsky, most likely never expecting to hear from Mrs. Von Meck again, rather dutifully replied, quote, Gracious Lady Nadezhda Filaretovna, I am sincerely grateful for the kind and flattering words that you were good enough to write to me. To a musician with all the disappointments and failures that obstruct his path, it is a comfort to know there is a small minority of people like yourself who truly and warmly love our art." Unquote. End of story? Yes? No. Nadezhda von Meck had no intention of ending her correspondence with her musical idol now that it was off the ground. Oh, another letter writer. One month later, in a second letter, she made it clear to Tchaikovsky that she was interested in more than just a casual correspondence. She wrote, quote, I should like very much to tell you at length of my fancies and thoughts about you, but I fear to take up your time, of which you have so little to spare. Let me say only that my feeling for you is a thing of the spirit and very dear to me. So if you will, Peter Ilyich, call me erratic, perhaps even crazy, but do not laugh. It could be funny if it were not so sincere and real." Unquote. Well, Tchaikovsky was intrigued. This was no love-struck girl. This was freaking Nadezhda Filaretovna von Meck, one of the richest and most generous patrons of the arts in all of Russia. So the next day, Tchaikovsky responded, quote, Why should you hesitate to tell me all your thoughts? I assure you, I should have been most interested and pleased, as I, in turn, feel deeply sympathetic towards you. These are not mere words. Perhaps I know you better than you imagine. If someday you will do me the honor of writing me what you have so far withheld, I shall be very grateful." Unquote. Oh, well, 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 that's all Peter Ilyich needed to say. Nadezhda von Meck threw all caution to the wind and unleashed a torrent of musical passion, the likes of which we'd all give a kidney to receive from someone as wealthy as she. In brief part, this is what she wrote in return. Quote, the first work I heard of yours was The Tempest. I have no words for the impact that it made upon me. For several days I was completely delirious beyond the hope of salvation. I must tell you that I cannot separate the musician from the man, and in that man, the servant of such high art, even more than in others, I hope and expect to find all the human qualities I adore. For me, the perfect man is definitely a musician, but his talent must be equaled by his human qualities. For him to make a profound and lasting impression, you have become very close to me, or at any rate, very dear to me. There was a time when I was desperate to meet you, but now the more enamored I become of you, the more an acquaintanceship frightens me. I am sure I would be in no fit state to make sense as we began a conversation, though if we were to meet by chance, face to face, 
I would be unable to treat you as a stranger, and I would hold out my hand to yours, if only to press it without a word being spoken. In short, I prefer to think of you from a distance, to hear you in your music, and to feel at one with you and your work." Unquote. For Nadezhda von Meck, the widow of an older man, the mother of 18 children, and the CEO of one of the most important railroad companies in all of Russia, it was Tchaikovsky and his music that ignited a passion that she had never previously felt. And for Tchaikovsky, Nadezhda von Meck did something no one else had ever done. She offered him absolution. In Tchaikovsky's music, Nadezhda perceived a pure soul, a great soul, one free of sin. Incredibly, if only as a pen pal, Tchaikovsky had found his soulmate. And the best part, the clincher, was that she wanted only a platonic relationship based on music and correspondence. Tchaikovsky responded, quote, So you will believe me when I say that I quite understand why, loving my music as you do, you do not wish to make the personal acquaintance of its creator. You are worried that you will not discover in me those attributes with which your imagination, inclined to an ideal portrait, has endowed me. And you are absolutely right. I am quite sure that, on closer acquaintance, you would not find that balance, that perfect harmony between the musician and man of which your imagination dreams." Unquote. Which brings us, for now, a full circle. For at the time of his 37th birthday, Tchaikovsky's correspondence with Nadezhda von Meck was gearing up. His disastrous relationship with Antonina was beginning. All of this while he was working on his fourth symphony. Like Beethoven's fifth symphony, Tchaikovsky's fourth traces a life-and-death struggle against fate and despair. Given Tchaikovsky's life experiences at the time it was composed, his symphony number four must be considered his single most autobiographical work. Much more when we return in tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes. Thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.